When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the realms of Middle-earth to the shores of the Undying Lands and all the lands in between, the realms, the cities, the villages, the pathways, we are here. This is Casterly Talk. We are looking at Rings of Power, Episode 3, Adar. Adar? Father? What does it mean? We are here to dive deep and to do that today, I have my... Own members of my own personal fellowship, though I'll be honest, I'm probably at the back of the caravan. Alden Diaz, Rachel Cushing <laughs> Levine here today. Hello, friends. How are we doing? Alden? Well, I had talked to Rachel. We weren't going to break it to you on air mm. that we were going to leave you behind uh, <laughs> as, as Hardfoots do. We'll talk about you later. We'll, we'll <laughs> gather and say, Ken Napsok, we lost him on a live stream. We wait for you. We wait for me. Um, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. I apologize for those who are just watching the Rings of Power reviews. Yeah, big tech problems. It's a different computer today. It's a different computer. So have faith that Rachel will keep up with all of you. How you doing, Rachel? Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to talk about this episode because we finally got Numenor. That is right. We sailed to that wonderful star-shaped island. I've been looking at those maps, studying the maps. Oh, I love my fantasy world maps. Having a lot of fun. Quick summary of the episode. I mean, I'm talking quick. We got Galadriel and her new best buddy. Just seems so sweet. Halbrand. I'm really rooting for the guy. They arrive on the shores of said Numenor, thanks to Elendil. Uh, Aaron's here. Uh, I'm still saying it like that. You can call him Aaron Dyer. Whatever you want. We love him. He is a superstar. And he awakes to be uh, find himself trapped by the orcs, working their way underneath the Southlands, looking for something, like a weapon, a sword maybe, or something, or just, you know, a nice path, just building a freeway through the Southlands. And the Harfoots are about to begin the Great Migration, and you don't want to be left behind like I was last week on the show by myself. I cut myself out. I said I'm going to the back of the caravan. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun. Uh, big themes coming up. Uh, you know, father, uh, fathers, uh, families, home. All those, those things are big. Friendship, connection, why you fight and why you fight to stay together. As Nari says, without friends, what are we surviving for? we got a lot of that kind of stuff. We also have got uh, the importance of traditions and moving forward. Uh, your, your culture and also can you grow beyond it? That's kind of been at play a lot. I've been fascinated. I can't wait to dive in to some of the Harfoot yeah. stuff. Uh, identities, true identities, hiding identities. Who are you? Have you earned your identity? Are you running from your identity or are you just kind of waiting to strike? A lot of things going down here, including uh, nature, connection versus destruction, chopping down trees, riding on horses across the land, a sequence I absolutely love. Let's go into our overall reactions. Rachel, I'm going to start with you for a lot of reasons, but you are our <laughs> Tolkien lore uh, master around these uh, parts here. Uh, you know, expert. I, you know, I hate saying those kind of words because then people start poking. Oh, you're an expert, right? Rachel. Yeah. Well, there was a lore master in this episode, so you could right. have that job. Quartermaster. 
Rachel, you've lived this, yeah. you've loved this, and I, 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 I think you're you were so wonderfully honest on the on the review of the first two episodes of you know, the expectations you've had for a long time, understanding what's going on, what understanding what maybe even can't be in the show or what it's trying to accomplish. I really do think you represent a lot of the fandom that have lived with this property for their entire lives. So I look to you first. Where are you at, and where are you going with episode three? Um. I think that the show is steadily getting better and better though. I missed Elrond and Doran uh, and uh, you know, Casa Doom. What I think uh, made up for it was, as I said at the top, just as a lore head and as somebody who's loved this so much, like the idea of Numenor has always been very integral. And even to those of you who've only ever seen the Lord of the Rings movies, like mm-hmm. that's the precursor. That's where mm-hmm. Elendil and Isildur, and that's the, the forefathers of Aragorn. And so to see it come to life and boy, did we see it come to life? Like those money on the screen, like just <laughs> gorgeous, every little detail. And then the way that the shot pulls out and shows you how, huge Armenelos is the capital mm-hmm. city and like so like you can see where the Gondorians came from but this mm-hmm. is on a scale unlike we've seen anything yeah. in any uh realm of men elves anybody right. so I just I thought that that was spectacularly done and I really loved the look of the city itself and the court and the people um the ships were really cool looking um uh, Miriel's crown and the costumes. I was, I was hook, line, and sinker yeah. uh, for everything that, that bringing Numenor to life. And yeah. then to top that off, to get such a great actor as Ellen Deal, like mm-hmm. he, he was the star of the show for me. Like I loved him. I thought yeah. he did such great work because there's still mystery. There's yeah. still like, whose side is he on? What's the mm-hmm. real story about the, 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 um, you know, the disconnect the between elves yeah. and the Numenorians and like elf friends. Is that a good thing? Is that not yeah. a good thing? Like, I just, I loved all of that. So for, for that aspect, I was just so glad to jump into that culture and into that um, sphere mm. because then we can go back and look at some of the things that we've seen in previous episodes and a little bit in this episode too, with Arondir and the, the, um, mm. the, mm-hmm. the Southlands, you see the juxtaposition, which we talked a lot about last week. Um, so I really liked where we were visually and we were really progressing with the characters like Galadriel, Halbrand, we're going to talk because I don't think Halbrand is who he's saying he is. Like, let's just put that out there. Um, (laughs) I can't wait to get to that. I'll share you my honest thoughts on what I want to happen, but it's not going to happen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of that. Yeah, no, There's no, a Rachel. A lot of uh, want versus likely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to jump in on that one, Rachel. Yeah, in terms of just the look and feel, it, it, the show's getting a lot of praise for that overall, uh, and I, I think well earned. Uh, I, I do a little litmus test for me. Like I am one, and maybe you are like this, uh, Rachel and Alden as well. Where uh, I'll look at like Minas Tirith, right, in the films, and I'll daydream about, well, wh- where would I live if I lived there? And I get lost and just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. would I be? Po- I probably could only afford the bottom level. And I, I, I sailing into Numenor and going into the capital city, I'm like, I had that feeling again. And of course, it makes sense. There's some connection to Gondor in a way down the line. Of course, I just, I just was pulled in. That's that is completely being pulled in by the world. So I think they did a wonderful job. Of that just that alone mm. yep. anything else uh rachel on your overall reaction uh about uh, where you're um, at or we'll leave some I thought of the- it was well balanced i think it mm. might be the most well balanced episode so far because we got yeah. some serious action thanks to arndir and the elven company uh captives and everything else like where mm-hmm. we can 
break that down a little bit at some point for sure. But you had, you know, the horror and the action and everything there. And you had the majesty and the mystery with Numenor. And then Mm -hmm. you had some of the um, Harfoots thrown in too. And I actually liked the Harfoot stuff more this episode. I felt like sometimes it was a little too silly at at times in the first couple episodes. But they hit a... um, really heartfelt somber note in some ways when they Mm -hmm. were talking about those they left behind and i found that actually really affecting um and i think that that story sort of coming into its own too how it ties into everything of course is is still one of the big questions and, and things that we can theorize about and the stranger continues to be quite mysterious um, but those were like the three main plot areas that we were dealing with. Yeah. And I thought the balance of those was really well done. Uh, well said. Yeah. I want to shout out up top Lenny Henry as uh, Sadak Burroughs uh, because I, I right from the beginning, I, I kind of like the character, but you're, you're right. There was a real depth to the, the Harfoots in this episode that I found myself, especially on second rewatch, actually liking that stuff, not more than the others, but I was really engaged by it in a way that uh, even though I loved it early on in the first episode, I think you're right, Rachel, that really struck a, a poignant tone as well as the, the the silly and everything. There's some stuff we want to get into there. Alden, your overall thoughts on this uh, episode before we dive into uh, not themes are going to, we'll talk about some themes, but we're going to get into some uh, big reveals and speculations up top since uh, we don't want to bury any leads, but Alden, your overall thoughts. Yeah, this is an interesting case. And Rachel, you sort of touched on this where you have to, as a viewer, I think when you're engaging, um, take it of course on its terms. So if the episode is not going to be the, one with your favorite stuff, Elrond and Durin right now, right. then that that is like, it's not a blow on quality, but it might be a blow on how you feel. So you got to get over mm-hmm. that home. Mm-hmm. So I had that a little bit because I was so invested and I have rewatched their dinner scene like 20 times yeah. Yeah. since it aired. Um, so that aside, I found this episode to have some of the highest highs for me. Really, really enjoyed everything that they did. There's only one thing that I struggled with. Uh, in relation to Halbrand, that's like a, a directing thing, the choreography thing that we'll talk about later. I think that Halbrand, you know, just to tee it up a little bit, you get a veers, I think, a little bit much into like really grim dark action for like a second. That sort of took me out of the ringsy feel, and it it wasn't even like it went too hard into George R. R. Martin. It just felt a little like <laughs> Zack Snydery for a second, and I was like, okay. Um, but outside okay. of that, yeah. what a hitter of an episode this was in so many aspects i loved the Hartford storyline i was moved mm-hmm. got teary-eyed i'm so invested in nori and in and her father and, and just everybody there poppy too and poppy oh um, I, I shed a tear for poppy just, <laughs> poppy just like well just, and that performance everybody there really yeah. brought it and then when it came to Arundir and the other elves that are in captivity i said this to my buddy nikki i in my entire lord of the rings watching life I've been frightened by Lord of the Rings once, and that's I went to see Return of the King as a child, and the transformation of Smeagol the Gollum in the prologue sure. freaked me out when I saw Return <laughs> of the King in theaters. I wanted to leave, and, and they made me stay, and I stuck with it and loved it. But I have never in my life been scared of an orc until this episode. Yeah, yeah. I that, was, uh... that drink the water ration scene oh, is... Yeah is a psychological thriller moment that I did not expect. Look, that that um, is a that is yeah. a Hans Landa uh, have some cream for oh, your apple yeah. pie moment right there. I was <laughs> terrified and, and there's because there is an element of goofiness. You hear them yelling and stuff, the yeah. orcs to each other, um while Arandir is sort of like on the verge of unconsciousness. But they, you know, there's no meat back on the menu boys type mm-hmm. energy to them. They are they are <laughs> that's, that's decidedly good. sinister. They have belief, which makes enemies yeah. scarier. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, and I think they 
just set things up so well. And then, of course, uh, the Numenorean stuff uh, begins with what might possibly be my new favorite track on any soundtrack. That Numenorean mm. theme is insane. Yeah. And they needed to earn that. You had to earn her intro because Morpheth Clark does this whole, it is the, the westernmost of all lands. It's this mm. and this and this and this. Then a big dramatic pause. Numenor. And I was like, oh, well, when they pan over, they got to earn that. And they definitely did. So. <laughs> well said. First of all, I, uh, I, I, uh, I love you. you did point out something I didn't really connect with. They, they don't have some of that meats back on the menu charm yet with those orcs. You're right. I, I don't know how much the orcs <laughs> had that. <laughs> yeah, they, they have not started doing orc bits. Not yet. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of the yeah, the, the violence. It was a little um I was I was intrigued by it in a way, and I understand. And we'll dive a little bit more what you're thinking about some of the stuff, some of the violence, not just the gory stuff, but some of the stuff around around Halbrand. Uh, do we want to shout out uh, director Wayne J. Yip, who's got uh, four episodes total in this first season? Jason Cahill and Justin Doble, the credited writers on this one. Of course, there's a lot of folks working behind the scenes there on this one. Let's. Uh, uh, dive into some of these big reveals. I, I just don't think we want to wait anymore. I just don't think we want to wait. Rachel, even before we were recording, we are diving on in there. So um, let's just do this first because I think it was uh, just keeping going from last week, but it was a check-in. The Stranger. The Stranger. Mm-hmm. Blue Wizard. Tom Bombadil. Uh, Balrog uh, or, or Belog from Indiana Jones, if you want to call him that. Um there's been a lot of fun this past week. And look, we always say this, you know, it's fun to dive into theories. Just don't go too far down. Don't lock yourself in so that the answer isn't what you want. You, you get lose some joy. Uh, but it's been fun so far. I do kind of like this. I love pouring through wikis, making quizzes about them, and finding out, hey, who who might this be? So, Rachel, let's check in on The Stranger. Any updated thoughts or just kind of confirmation of some things you might have thought before? Yeah, I don't think we learned too much more other than now he is Nori is teaching him speech and he mm-hmm. is, you know, certainly showing a, a better understanding of certain things. Um, and also now that all the Harfoots know of his existence, you know, the, the yeah. idea of fitting in and how to treat strangers in your own community and, and, and all of that, I think is very um, interesting. But at the end of the day, in terms of what or who is he, I'm going to say at this point, I'm, I'm knocking Sauron off the list. I don't think mm-hmm. he's Sauron. Mm-hmm. Um, the the idea that he's a Maya um, still holds a lot of water. And yeah. at this point, I'm going to go out and I hope he's not Gandalf. I don't want him to be Gandalf. Yeah. I would not mind if he was one of the other Astari, the other wizards, the potentially mm-hmm. the, either the blue wizards, because that, you know, is the most room they have to um, do something different, do something new. I'll still hang on to the Balrog theory, just, mm-hmm. you know, for, 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 for the heartbreak aspect yeah, the heartbreak, of it yeah. <laughs> happen later on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, but I really like him. I love the actor. The actor is doing so much with so little. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the sort of like clearly confused, clearly trying to communicate, figure things out um, and, and seeing something with Nori as yeah. being important to him. So um I can't say I have any updates on on, on what I'm definitely uh, thinking he is or what the reveal is going to be, but yeah. still very excited to see where. It goes. If, I, if I had a real time uh, graphics editor and package, I'd wheel in like a big scoreboard. And Rachel says off the board, and I, I agree with you uh, on Sauron. Knocking, I'm knocking Sauron off the list for the stranger. Uh, I, yeah. I want to follow up with you though, and before I uh, head it over to you all, um, I'm with you on the Gandalf thing. Yet I don't really know why, Rachel. 
I, I would love in one way. I'm like, yeah, it'd be mm. kind of cool. But I know it kind of might adjust some of the, the Tolkien lore canon, which is an interesting discussion. But I'm not even factoring that in. There's just something where I just kind of want to discover discover someone else or have it be some other riddle and some other answer to that riddle. You know, do you, Rachel, yeah. why do I feel that way? I'm, I know I'm the same way. I feel like not everything has to be drawn drawing a straight line to Lord of the yeah. Rings, which is the thing that we know. I feel like mm-hmm. the Might point of them or one of the points of them of doing the Second Age and condensing this history is introducing new characters and new mm-hmm. twists within the bigger plot points that we know that are happening. Yeah. And Gandalf is beloved and we know who he is and everything that he does in Lord of the Rings. Um, and Ian McKellen, I'm sorry, you just can't. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the you thing. And, and yeah, I, I didn't even <laughs> cut you off, Rachel, but I've been sitting here like, the problem is that you have Sir Ian McKellen and Sir Christopher Lee. If it's going to be either of those two, like, not that this actor is at all incapable, is not what I'm saying, but my goodness. Radagast the Brown, I love Sylvester McCoy. Shout out yeah. to the Seventh Doctor there, but he had just a, a smaller role and it was in the trilogy that was the follow-up trilogy and so yeah. you got your cultural leg room there to play but yeah it's gonna be very difficult if he's gandalf yeah yeah and there's some, there, there's something to be said for i i love some of the the dare i say straight line connection i think it's a good way to look at it rachel that that uh, that are out that's out there already um the, the gondor sealed door all that kind of stuff i'm having fun with that i enjoy that right but I think I think that's the thing is you've you've scratched that itch for me, and this is just a personal opinion. Uh, I, I won't be disappointed if it's it's Gandalf. Daniel Wayman is the performer, and yay, you know what? I guess you know if 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 you McGregor can become Obi Wan for so many people, Alden, I'm looking at you, youngster, and he's my Obi Wan as well with Alec Guinness sharing that spot and James yeah. Arnold Taylor. It could happen. It could happen. I don't know. So so Alden, yeah. update on your scoreboard. Uh, you got any additional stranger insights or predictions? Well, I'm going to play Steve Kornacki here, Ken, and I'm going to start pointing at the counties <laughs> where they think that it's Sauron. Um, no, but it's uh, we're waiting. We're waiting for states to call Balrog or no Balrog. But uh, yeah, I don't. Um, Too close to call. I don't. I don't actually know. Because again, no additional evidence outside of the fact that he's taken a friendlier tone as he's learned. Yeah. There wasn't a, a, a scary magical outburst here. It was more sympathetic, a yeah. sympathetic lair using friend you felt bad for him when he couldn't understand that the paper was burning or yeah. didn't appear to be able to understand so there's those elements too i'm st- i'm gonna stick to tom bombadil just because it was the one that i was most excited about not because i have new evidence and i think that yeah again are we drawing lines is the question because if the harfoots eventually will develop from the nomadic society to settling the shire and tom bombadil has his house near enough it's like do they say Let's give land in season five. Is it we're going to give lands to our friend Tom over there (laughs) and we're going to dig our holes over here. Like, is it going to be that kind of payoff? I don't know. But I think that they're giving us a lot of um, a lot of fun character insights. Again, like the actor giving us a lot by not giving us much. No, that's great. The only thing I wrote down was fire, fire, bad. (laughs) Um, Yeah. he. You know, and and how that could be really. I just have this. I'm with you. Rachel said earlier, it's like tragic. I kind of um, I'm kind of here for him finding himself a nice place to take a nap in deep in Casa Doom and then gets woken up and it's like friend. And they're like, ah, and the next thing you know, he's upset. You know, it's just, I, th- I assume that's how it works. Right. I haven't read that. He holds out, <laughs> out into the Balrog. Uh, yeah. There, there could be something there. And, and, it, and honestly, Balrog theory, it breaks my heart, not just for him, mm-hmm. but if little Nori is somehow in any way responsible for the fall of Casa Doom, even in a roundabout <laughs> way, that will be the most unfair and devastating right. thing that a good character has ever yeah. done. 
Yeah. One other uh, thing I want to talk about, it's kind of in that what's the soul mean predictions and kind of digging in. And then we're going to get into the main event of these predictions. I was talking with Rachel off air. We got uh, this uh, great reveal. Uh, Elendil, uh, Lloyd Owens just doing a remarkable job with this role. Mm. And uh, I just want to go zero in on that sword and what that means. And as I was said to you, Rachel off air, Narsil or is the prequel sword Presil that I'm calling it? Uh, you had some thoughts on that, Rachel. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. It, it just it lines up too correctly. Now the coloring slightly off, but mm-hmm. you know if you if you look to like our own histories, the hilt or the pommel of the sword is often replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in this case, the the metal will be when it's forged into uh, Andoril in Return of the King. So you can have the the basic sword and have pieces of it change over time. But it just makes too much sense in terms of the story because we do know that it's Elendil's sword and that Isildur took up his father's sword to cut the ring from the finger. Like it's just adding up too clearly. And also um, while the coloring's not quite right, the pommel looks the same to me, the way that it fans out in the end Mm -hmm. and has sort of like the, the hole in it. So it's it's the right size. Um, So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say pretty sure that that is Narsil. Yeah, I just remember I have it in the living room. I should go pull it. <laughs> I should go pull it in. I have one of those yeah. replica swords. I didn't study it. Should just held it up here. Yeah, great stuff, uh, Rachel. Your thoughts, Alden, on the Narsil or Presil? Come on, that's a good one by me. Presil. I actually that the prequel pre-sil sword. Is good. <laughs> Presil is a very Pokemon way of getting around it. Like, no, it's Presil. Yeah. He's gonna get Narsil the season finale. That's a very nice like Final Fantasy RPG type way to go about it, which yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to. If all of a sudden by the end of the season that one gets shattered. And then they do a big reveal. Like I will, I'm, I will mark out for that if they're like, but this is <laughs> Narsil. Of course, I'm going to love that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, that mystery or not mystery uh, around him in general, the sword, the name, mm-hmm. loved all that stuff. And I think that this uh, that sword moment, it had importance. Mm-hmm. The weight, and you're not sure what the mission is. Then the mission brings him closer to Gladriel. I will say, just you know, this is not a theories thing, but just while we're on it, I don't know where else to put it, but I have to express this. It cannot be intentional because, and if it is, I applaud them. Mm. The fact that the sailor on Isildur's boat, the first thing you hear on that boat is Isildur. That oh, yeah. just brought me straight back to Hugo Weaving yelling Isildur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had like a sense memory moment. Yeah, of, oh, yeah. She's going to mess it all up. Yeah. Like now every time I see this young man who's doing a great job, um, young man, he's probably older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I see him and I'm like, I see, I can't help but layer everything you say with what I know you'll do this idea of, mm-hmm. I want to be like my father. I want to go in the steps, but dad, can I wait another season and do it my way? Yeah. That sort of, mm-hmm. I'm going to skirt a little bit around is a trait that will bubble. Yeah. And so that's interesting. And I just had to say mm-hmm. actor who yelled a sealed door. Well done. <laughs> Shout out to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maxim Baldry, I believe is a sealed door and uh, a yes. uh, great job so far. Love it. Yeah. And it, look, I, I'm, I'm here for this kind of tragedy. I like knowing sometimes where things end and how you just build there. Cause it's a great character study. I think a lot of people sign up for that kind of stuff and watch these shows and it's, and it's been a lot of fun. And, 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 and if it is a uh, Narsil of any way, shape or form or pre-seal, I like that. That's a straight line. I enjoy that's a straight line that kind of gets me giddy a little nerd chills kind of way. Uh, we'll dive into that, but all right. I, I don't think we can wait anymore. 20 or so episode, minutes into this episode. How brand here's my theory on how brand he's just this great dude he has a great heart he maybe he's supposed to be a king but eh, you know we all kind of skirt our responsibilities and some stuff you know he wants to make some changes he's just a good dude with a good heart nothing's gonna go wrong with him rachel nothing at all (laughs) 
not paying too much attention mm. then, Ken. Mm. Um, you look, seem so nice there, last week. I, th- th- there's, it's still, there's still many episodes to go and a lot of things to, yeah. to pay attention to. Um, I think, though, that, that we were given deliberate signs to potentially question that theory. Yeah. Um, because on the one hand, they're giving us the Aragorn story. They're yeah. giving somebody who has a lineage that he doesn't want to take up because of the past, because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things that are tied up into it. Um, mm-hmm. But on a more sinister level, <laughs> um, we say see, the words. Okay, I'm just going to come up and say it. I'm like, <laughs> is this guy Sauron? I mean, this guy feels like yeah. he could very, oh. very become Sauron. Oh, that's actually not what I thought you were going to say. Okay, oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll wait, wait, wait. Later. What did you well, think? Then, what did you think, Alden? Were you going to say Witch King? Witch King, Witch King of Angmar. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. that's. That's I have about the other one. yeah. I have about thirty dollars of chips on that, and then seventy dollars. Do my seventy dollars of chips on what Rachel said? Okay, all right. We're gonna, yeah. There's money in okay. it now. Yeah, yeah. both kind of both, uh, both kind of work for me. But Rachel, there's a lot of clues right now that we're playing with, and they might look. They might be going here. We're dealing you these cards, oh, right? Oh, yeah, and maybe no, these could a be all the red herrings yeah. we need. And mm-hmm. again, yeah. three episodes in is way too early to know for sure. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but the hints, and and I told Ken before we started recording that the the hint that really got me was when he's trying to like hit up the the local blacksmith and be like, Hey, I'm really good at this. And you're like, yeah. are you kidding? The guy yeah. who forges the one ring, like is, yeah. is talking about black. I'm like, okay, that, that was sort of like, mm. yeah. um, but yeah. then also we got a scene that uh, Alden mentioned uh, before we started. And I've heard other people mention too, unlike anything we've ever really seen in middle earth so far is men fighting men um, mm-hmm. specifically, um, Halbrand fighting off a group of guys that he tried to rip off um, mm-hmm. the, the medallion from. And this was the most brutal fight we've ever seen. I know that sounds weird coming from a, a series where you have orcs fighting men all the time, mm-hmm. but this was hand-to-hand combat for the most part. Hardly any blades were used in any way, shape, or form. Um, and he, it, it was like he let loose another side of himself, mm-hmm. a dangerous side, a dark side, because he didn't just defend himself he took them out in brutal extra ways and so you could easily just say that that is because he comes from a people that were sworn to Morgoth and that there's that something in him that still has that but doesn't necessarily mean it's the whole piece of him but to Mm -hmm. me those pieces all together and then on top of that being the lore person that I am where most people are aware that Sauron is not the the guy in the battle armor or the eye yet. He's actually a physical being and can appear Mm -hmm. like a normal person. And his name is Anatar, Lord of Gifts. And he's, he's uses that to fool people. He's not the outright, um, like warrior villain. He's he's supposed to be beautiful and and, yes. And all of that stuff. So Everybody knowing that about Sauron in this age is basically looking at every character going, is that going to be Sauron? Is that going to be Sauron? Is that going to be Sauron? Like, we have this Adar character that we only hear about in this episode and see just out of focus. And we all know it's Benjamin Coldhands um, (laughs) from Game of Thrones. Uncle Benjamin's uh, here. He's coming in. Um, 
but I, I don't, I think that that's too easy. I don't think mm-hmm. that that's Sauron. I mm-hmm. think that that is um, a top lieutenant of Sauron. I know a lot of people are thinking maybe it's some kind of fallen elf character, which would be a very interesting way that mm-hmm. um, there's not a lot of precedent in um, Tolkien's writing for, but has a lot of interest to it, especially with the way that Arondir is not killed at the end, that the orcs think that mm-hmm. it's worth saving him to bring him to Adar. So mm-hmm. I really think that that's interesting. So like I yeah, said, I like we're that. walking, I'm, I'm watching every character on the show that pops up and I'm like, is that going to be Sauron? Is that going to be Sauron? And so far the, you know, the red lights <laughs> are going yeah. up pretty hard for Hellbrand. Yeah. The leader of the yeah. clubhouse. And look, this, uh, I, I'll say it right here. I don't love prediction culture mixed in with review yeah. culture. And I, I won't be mad if it's not, because right. I'll be excited to, to, to see what does yeah. unfold in that, in that way. And like yeah. we've all said, they could be setting these stones. They could, I swore, my family swore blood oath to Morgoth. Well, Sauron did that to Morgoth. Yeah. And you know, we, he, the way he phrases, um, my family lost the war. We lost the war. Now that if you're saying that from Sauron's perspective, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're mm-hmm. t- you're talking about you were on the losing side because Morgoth was ultimately on the losing side. So like right. that struck me as like could kind of slight double talk. But yeah. then mm-hmm. the really interesting thing is is Galadriel admitting, well, we started the war, which is true. Yeah. The Noldor elves were the reason the war started. I mean, Morgoth stole the Silmarils, but they're the yeah. ones that you know cause the war after that so um yeah there's just a lot of tidbits there and yeah. um and well, i just and i'm 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 all with the guessing and yeah. rising yeah. And that yeah. could be fun that could be fun like again i'm not going to be married to it. if i'm wrong yeah. i'm not going to have a problem with that but to me there yeah. was just way too many signs it's like wait a second yeah, yeah it's yeah it's definitely like laying that groundwork and like in like in terms of like the witch king element too like the the reason why mine went there is i think i said in our first discussion of episodes one and two that I liked at the time, I didn't realize he was going to go, they were going to go as hard into the Aragorn parallel as they did. But in our first discussion, for people that have watched, like I said, I love that it's this inverse of Aragorn runs from something light that he can ascend to a higher height. This guy runs from something dark, mm-hmm. Southlands. But now we get the, you actually could be the one to unite, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What a brilliant inversion, I think. It would yep. be if that was all indeed true, yeah. but a king... Which king? Which king? king? What kind of king would you actually be? That can all be true. Then you make the wrong choice and accept the wrong gift, and you end up the leader of the nine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It would be, again, a tragedy, but an even worse one than Isildur, and one that is also truthful. That It doesn't make Galadriel wrong Mm -hmm. for saying you could be that guy, because you were, you fall after you ascend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love this. And I want to clarify, too, uh, that's not saying to anyone here or anyone uh, in our uh, Castle Suck fan base, I think anyone who follows me knows that the, what I say prediction culture, it's like you can get wrapped up in that and get so lost in that, and that's the only thing you're taking from it. And I don't want anyone, you know, if we're making predictions that don't come true, that's not the point. We're digging into what it means, and it, it's been so fun to just see this. This episode, just running, you know, clues of Sauron, clues of the Witch King, I think they're all there, but the forging's the big one. I'm here to start a new uh, which seems to be a little bit of what might be going on with in the second age of Sauron. The music cues, dark, they're, they're not heroic. Uh, and, and that line, the heir to this mark is heir to more than just nobility, for it was his ancestor that swore blood oath to Morgoth. I'm not the hero you speak. That's one of those ones where he's just not lying. He's not skirting. He's just like, yeah, I yeah, I'm not the hero. Yeah. You. I'm the villain you seek, by the way. You, you, right. you, I'm right in front of you. But um, 
going to the violence scene, I do want to talk about this, that scene. I think Rachel is very right. Uh, we had a, a warg, which also, quite frankly, looked like my chihuahuas when they get upset, uh, which actually, it connected with me on a level that was uh, frightening. Um, it, it was gruesome. We've seen some of that before, but it was it was the way in which the violence was played. And I got it more in the second viewing. First viewing, it's a little bit like, yeah, you showed these schoolyard bullies what's up. Yeah, that's great, Halbrick. Because I'm like, I'm kind of rooting for the guy. On second viewing... Is absolutely what you're talking about, Rachel. It is when you look at the Jedi and the Jedi Order. That's an analysis and a, a deep dive into how you fight is just as important as why you fight and defense or how you manage the aggression, when you should strike versus not. Uh, you know, uh, you look at the difference between Ray striking Kylo Ren in an entire fight and then going to another fight, and never having nothing, never having anything but defensive moves. It's it's what Star Wars analyzes a lot when it comes to violence. And rewatching this scene, that was not heroic violence. It was evil yeah. violence for the sake of violence because, as you said, Rachel, it exploded out of him. He couldn't contain it anymore. Uh, and I absolutely loved it in a sense of that. That's when I zeroed in on my jokes about how Brett aside. I do really like the guy. Charles, Charles Vickers did a great job. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I might. Yeah, I'm going to have to un unhook my horse from this cart. He, he ain't a good guy. <laughs> So, <laughs> Not a Halbrand fan yeah. anymore. But Alden, your thoughts on uh, a little bit more on the violence during that moment? Is that what you were talking about up top? Yeah, yeah. I struggled a little bit with this scene again because it's one of those situations where there's nothing wrong with it. There's not a direction problem. There's not yeah. an editing problem. There's none of that. And the performances are great. And it's one of those things where contextually, if later on there's lore that is added or contextual details that it's like I was containing this and the, the Halbrand form was a ruse and it was mm -hmm. bubbling always and fine. Um, it was just, and maybe it is the the hand-to-hand -hand aspect, Rachel, that you touched on. It's very, uh, we've seen Sauron send guys flying hundreds of feet in the air with his mace in the Fellowship Prologue. We've seen people beheaded. We've seen giant pieces of rock fall on people in Return of the King. So the, the level of death has never been an issue in Lord of the Rings. It was just the presentation was something that I hadn't seen in any of the visual adaptations. And that doesn't make it wrong. It just made it very feel very modern having the sort of, uh, you know, dark, uh, gritty, I'm Halbrand or call me Halbrand. Like <laughs> that felt very comic book, which I don't have a problem with. I love comics. But it was one of those things where I had to really like, OK, let me take that scene. Hold on. Let me take it on its terms. Not on what I expect, because you're talking about the implications of violence and everything you said about Star Wars is so true. And we love talking about that stuff. Lord of the Rings has always, in my eyes, in terms of violence, been elegance meets brutality. Brutality has never met brutality. Uh, when Theoden shows up, Theoden doesn't show up and, um, you know, get down to the orcs level. He's, he's going to destroy them, but he, that's, it's not about destruction's sake. And I think that this was the most modern it has felt, but it doesn't mean that it's a problem because, again, we're doing weekly discussions of a show in 2022. All of us should know by now not to do that. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's like your instincts are fighting your logical brain for me. Yeah, and Rachel, I want to get your thoughts on that, especially the violence we've seen portrayed before, but I think we're all hitting on the same things. It, it, as purposeful, it might have been very purposeful, of course, Alden, and I think that the fact that you might be rubbing up against it a little bit, and in, what, in the way you're saying that, like, it stood out to me because the violence in this world that we've seen before, I, you know, I, I, I don't remember the violence in the animated movie offhand. I don't know. You, you guys remind me. Um, but it is, it is, dare I say, more elegant and a little more distant yeah. at times. Not always, not always, but at times. 
Uh, this is this was upfront and and personal. And again, like I said, the second time around, because again, I'm not first time around. I was like, yeah, you punched that guy with a little Caesar cut right in the face. You and then it, that's me giving him the dark side. That's how Brad gives the dark it. side. <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, it deserves some bigger analysis. But but Rachel, you, your thoughts on uh, how they portrayed this violence again uh, as we as we kind of look a little closer on that. Yeah, I I. I'm about to say I liked the scene, but like well, I understood I'll, I'll the scene. It. I like the and, scene. Right? <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, right? But like I liked it because it was something that this show was doing that we haven't seen in this world before. No. Mm-hmm. And there was just small hints of it um, on the Battle of Pelennor Field where men fought men. Wow. Um, the Easterlings and the Southrons, you know, on their Muma kill, the elephants and, and whatnot. But we still didn't see that like more street level not it's, using, yeah, it's, not it's, using it's, realistic but like yeah humans fighting humans it's it's a, it's a high fantasy world so you, yeah. you see humans and elves fighting orcs and dragons and balrogs and all these and things not with fantasy like, weaponry like, away. Like, cut their it, heads yeah. off stab them like all of that stuff that that's just yeah. because it you're so removed because fantasy like yeah. that violence is in that space this is a hand-to-hand fight that could happen in your own street corner mm. and yeah. that is just different um, but I think it was intentionally different. Yeah. And I think that the this show is going to get to explore human versus human in a way that nothing else that, that we've seen so far in Middle Earth has ever done. Yeah, that's a great point. No, yeah, that's really interesting because it, it's sort of like the difference between Jon Snow challenging Ramsay Bolton to a, a sword duel. And then when he finally gets his fists on him, <laughs> it somehow manages to be the most off-putting thing in the Battle of the Bastards, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it sticks out. So again, it's not a comparison. I love them both. No, but it, but, but, but 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 that's, <laughs> that is the difference between that grounded world. Rachel, you use you use yeah. that term grounded previously on, on an episode here, and I, I, that really that struck a chord with me. I love the use of that versus dark and gritty, which gets thrown around so much. This was grounded, that's and right. sometimes grounded will will be a little jarring. And Game of Thrones works in that world because, like I was saying, Game of Thrones is about what yeah. is. Lord of the Rings that's and Star true. Wars is about what what could be in a more Ah, there's a little more beauty in this land. And and I, I think Alden, first yeah. of all, I think Alden, we just learned you're a sweet summer child and that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> that's what it is. I, look, I was really excited about the Numenor song and then this guy ruined it. Okay. <laughs> no, but, 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 but I will say. Yes. Love that. There is a, there's a, there's a dual parallel that I love. And one of them has to do with this scene, which I have admitted now I struggled with. Yeah. The fact that it's happening here at this place, which is supposed to be the apotheosis of man is great and that's a great contrast and then mm-hmm. even though the hardfoot storyline has not intimately connected with the other arcs at this present moment seeing the way that the numenorians are described by galadriel as as being um people that lost their way and have not reconciled with the past and have forgotten their friends contrasts beautifully with the way that the hardfoots reconcile with their past and remember their, their friends mm-hmm. and honor them and I thought that having those both in the same episode was that's the emotional stuff that like pulls me through any issues where I'm yeah. like, I don't care. He can break their necks. That was beautiful anyway. <laughs> like, so it's <laughs> no love it. So, yeah. Love it there. Uh, before we kind of move on from these predictions and, and yeah, again, nothing official here, but I, I am, I'm on the side of this Sauron prediction though. I'm, I'm intrigued by something uh, with the, the witch King and, and all in uh I want to know what you think, if you have any uh, evidence for your case here in a second. But, but Rachel, here's, here's the one danger, right? Here's the one danger. This is what I was talking about. Like, I, what, what, there's two problems. If it's not Sauron, people might be 
upset. And if it is, it might be like, well, I saw that coming. And that's that's the uh, paradox that it's. If that's the how you're watching the show. Then yeah. then yeah. I don't have much to to yeah. to I, say or to exactly. like. like it's exactly. just that that's not why I watch. Yeah. It's a fun aspect of it. I don't need to be right. I don't need to yeah. be proven prove anything with it. Like it's to me, it's part of the experience in. Yes. And it's yes. always part of the experience when you're dealing with prequels because you do know where things end. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to your brains just are going to do that but it's not a contest and it's not a make or break thing for me it's never been in all of these kinds of shows and whatnot like i loved the first season of westworld almost as much as any single season i've ever seen and yeah i figured out man in black but that did not take away from when it was revealed on its terms and all the context and all the acting all like that's not how it works for me yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if if that's how you watch and you want to participate then there's plenty of podcasts yeah. and blogs out there that you can get yep. into it with but like yep. here it's just like this is just fun to think about things and and alden actually like just presented a lot of really interesting reasons why the witch king thing would actually be mm-hmm. almost more interesting because the nine riders the nazgul were noble men well supposedly many were noble men before they were corrupted Mm-hmm. And so if we're talking about Halbrand being somebody who's conflicted, who wants to be a noble person, who wants to step up to this lineage that Galadriel believes that he can step up to in a good way, but that inner, the past and the history of his family and that inner rage that he has eventually overcomes the good side, then you have somebody who's struggling. Yeah. If this is Sauron, Sauron ain't struggling. Like yeah. Sauron's yeah. just, you know, playing around, just doing his tricks, lying to people, trying to, to, yeah. to let evil, you know, find root in this world again. So yeah. or, or, uh, the witch one is actually kind of more interesting in terms of a character yeah. arc. So yeah. we yeah. not well, hate it at all if that's how it goes. Yeah, it, with, with Sauron, the only struggle might be he's just trying to keep his cool. It's like Palpatine wearing a mask <laughs> at the Senate for yeah. so many years. Eventually, I'm going to yeah. rip mm-hmm. this off and yell <laughs> unlimited power. So yeah. uh, one of my favorite yeah. moments, which also, also, by the way, this all what I'm my point to this is uh, Rachel and Alden is that uh, Elendale got Darth Plagueis's staff. That's what that is. And I'm predicting that right now. That's Darth Plagueis' staff. Alden. Correct. <laughs> and more on the Witch King stuff here that we'll dive into some of the themes. Well, outside of the frankly laziness of them to just reforge it into the same sort again and give it a different name. It's really <laughs> stupid and they don't care about the fans. Um, I, I just want to say that uh, I don't have like hard evidence beyond the emotional potential that you I've got great thematic outside evidence. of yeah. the fact that he's the thematic evidence yeah. is strong. Yeah. 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 Outside okay. of the, I mean, outside of the fact that the witch King is supposed to be the leader of the nine and that if he is indeed supposed to be the one that unites the Southlands, then is it eight Southland Lords that become the other one? So like you could, you could make those jumps. They would still have to make them, but I'm, I like the conflict stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Now when it comes to Sauron and this idea of, are they? Can they do Anatar? Can they not do Anatar? Do they have to pick their own name? Uh, all of those sort of things. Um, is this is a lore question for you, Rachel? Does Sauron at this point? He's walking around in a different guise, whatever that guise is. Does he have to abide by physical, like the the rules of physical men? Does he have to take a boat, or can he be in multiple storylines at once? No, he's he is um, a physical. Being. He can't yes. be in more. So there's no. It's not. It's not like a ghost illusion thing where I'm no. acting like a man. 
<laughs> okay, so he's trapped as Anatar if he's Anatar. It, it's the form that he chose. It's uh, similar yeah. to the Istari, who are um, the wizards. Sorry, uh, right. they they choose the forms of old men because they were told they they came. They thought that that would be more um, less shocking to trustworthy the of yeah. Middle Earth. Yeah, if <laughs> yeah. I'm an old man, then then I'm not super scary or anything like that. I mean, I don't know because Stranger kind of came across as a little scary there. Uh, look, I, but, I, um, I can tell you the most trustworthy people in the world are old white men like me. All right, just trust us. Yeah, it was the we're all the good. focus group. The cosmic focus group there was a sort of interesting choices. But but that makes sense. Yeah, I was just wondering because I know I was talking to a friend and he said. Well, is it possible that Adar and Halbrand are both Sauron? And I was like, I have to run that. I have to fact check that. Uh, but instead <laughs> yeah, of reading, I'm, I'm just going to ask. <laughs> I'm going to say like I'm somewhere in the 90 percentile, sure, that that can't be the case. And also, I yeah. don't think it would be in the best interest of the show to do that. I think this is the opportunity for the show yeah. to show other bad guys. It's one it wasn't a criticism, but like a thing about Sauron and Lord of the Rings is it wasn't physical. They mm-hmm. were great that they came up with the eye because that is still a scary thing. And it still mm-hmm. it evoked um, a, a, a very powerful villain and adversary. But in this show, they can show not just Sauron, but he's going to have lieutenants. He's going to have people mm-hmm. working for him yeah. and whatnot. He has so, to have the believers like like, like yes. the guy that owns that barn that Theo found the <laughs> thing exactly. in. The mortal right. blade, kind of. Um, so yeah, it, it, that's an interesting thing. And whoever Adar is, I mean, they've they've done a great job, you know, Ken in wrestling terms of like selling the effect of Adar without even so much as showing him in focus yet, right. um, which is great. And mm. you know, Maul it, Joseph Maul has that very intimidating presence anyway. Yeah. So it's like there's just like a two percent chance that this guy's not all bad. <laughs> so. It's a it's a good promo package, indeed. Uh, yeah. I want to start diving into some of the themes <clears throat> themes of the episode, but actually going off. Um, Halbrand and whoever he might be, um, there's some interesting things going on here because the thought is right now, wh- whoever he is, maybe not good. That's not, again, not 100%. It could be what I think, just a good old guy named Hallie, and he's going to turn out A-OK. But I was really obsessed, especially on second viewing, of Gladriel and and, and Halbrand and that conversation in the, in the jail cell. And I, I look to you, Rachel, as someone who's, you know, you've cosplayed, you've cosplayed as this elf. <laughs> you love this character. Um... I almost felt not sad, not not like oh, but just like she was so kind of like she she was like you can do this, you can take the sword, put aside the ranger, be who you're born. That kind of like, and I'm like, it, Galadriel, it might be who you're looking for. <laughs> just like, and I, what's your thoughts on that that scene and the purpose of that scene for both these characters, but particularly her? In, in a broad sense, what I really, really, really loved about Galadriel's character in this episode was you get both the sense of her age and gravitas and experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, of uh, the, the house of the, the golden house, daughter mm-hmm. of Finnerfin, like, like they've really laid that on and you understand that the depth and the knowledge and the history that she has. But at the same time, I, I love Ellen Deal being like, you have a look of a runner and you have a, mm-hmm. a look, was it, um, yeah. You either run fast or you run blind. Yeah, I have a daughter and that runs fast and a son that runs blind. Yeah. And you have the look of both. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's like, like you actually have like this mortal man basically doing kind of like taking on this like fatherly kind of like assessment yeah. of you. Yeah. But that, that is very true, mm-hmm. you know? So she is both very experienced, wise, and, you know, important, but she's also very single minded and, you know, impetuous 
um, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. very proud and like she starts to get into it with Muriel yeah. and like, so like there was a lot of really great stuff there. So yeah. taking all of that into, into consideration, when you go to the scene with Halbrand in the jail, the, the sense I got from her was that now she can see this person even more than, you know, both surviving, you know, mm-hmm. the, being out in the open sea as somebody who is on her level, who has a past, who has mm-hmm. burdens, who is living under a shadow and could take up the mantle with her to help forge ahead and to right the mm-hmm. wrongs. And she talks about that in such a way that, you know, she sees some of herself in him knowing his past, knowing the pain. And it's hard. I feel like it's hard for her to find people in this Mm -hmm. world, elves or men who are, who can see things the way she does. And I think she's just very much hoping that this is somebody who can mm-hmm. and who can take up this crusade with her because he gets it. I, 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 lo- I love that. I love that. Asked and answered from you. That's some great stuff just to look <laughs> at that scene. I, I really, yeah. Um, I love, I did. I, I really love what they do with her character in, in this episode. Um, it, you know, they roll off the LinkedIn profile on like, well, look at that resume, <laughs> but it's really beyond that. And, and there's some, there was something that affected me about how brand also, also telling her as Elrond did, you know, you know, come on, the alpha wouldn't put down the sword. And, and what that means, because that that to me isn't like, it, you know, you can confirm her as a warrior, but also there's this thing of her searching for what's beyond that. And this question of what do you what are you when you need to grow or move forward and the thing who you are it can no longer be you. And we know we know this character is going to go through that kind of long play growth that we got hundreds and hundreds of years to play with. Right. Not necessarily in the series, but in the character and the lore. So I just was I was affected by that scene. And I think you said it right. She's finding someone on her level, finding someone that she can relate mm-hmm. to, finding someone that she can connect with over this kind of shared what she at this point believes journey. And she has a little bit of hope, uh, you know, hope, the dangerous thing, it can get dashed. But uh, I, I just, I, yeah. I don't know if you thought about that that exchange. I just was really moved by it. And affected is more the word. Yeah, yeah. It was a really interesting way to sort of be a microcosm of the overall themes of like race relations and like what Elrond says, like, well, have you considered builders outside the confines of our own race and how he set that up in a really positive way in a way that already had, um, already had legs, you know, they were a little Mm -hmm. little strained after that 20 year friendship gap, but coming over here and seeing Galadriel's shame at how this sect of men that was supposed to be the best um, and supposed to be, you know, the, the, the descendants of the people that stood with goodness, that stood with righteousness, that stood with them, um, then closed their shores to have this guy that comes from the darkness um, relating back to what her brother told her about sometimes you must touch the darkness. And I'm not talking about shipping internet. Relax. Relax. <laughs> yes, right. No, but ship them, ship them if you want. Uh, I'm joking. But the, the idea of I, sometimes you do need to get close to somebody that's in the mud that can really understand you because she remarks very fondly about Elrond when mm-hmm. she's at the, you know, with the Elrond, uh, mm-hmm. Elrond and Elros's painting with Ellen Deal and the lore masters yeah. uh, scene. That was a lot yeah. to say. Um, and she is, uh, you know, still clearly so fond of him. And that's like her best friend as the show has been portraying it. But at the same time, he is also one of the people that said, no, you should go. And if there's anything, just trust, I'll take care of it. But there's probably not anything. And that's somebody that really gets you. And so that adds a little bit of pain and I think pushes these two people together 
mm-hmm. in some interesting ways. It's, it's like it's it's who you need right now in the same yeah. way that Nori needs the stranger to satisfy what she's going through because she was already going through things before the stranger asking those questions. She has, um, you know, people have joked like, Oh, so this is, she's responsible for the Baggins attitude that will linger throughout their family uh, for years later. And it's like, it she wants to go on an adventure. Come on. <laughs> yeah. we can't she's, she's the, she's the precursor. Um, and yeah. you know, and, uh, thousands of years later, Frodo will have a little bit of that Nori twinkle in the eye, but it's about the people that are, different and that break those confines i, I love you talking about connection there the friendship i put that down with uh, nori's line without friends what are we surviving for we can dig into that a little bit later but i love that and seeing there and how that does again hope can't be dashed but them kind of finding uh, the connection and the sea is the sea is always right right or the sea is never wrong what's oh. the actual saying <laughs> the sea is always right i wrote it down yeah and how you could fall into that belief so them kind of being um you know pushed together in a way and how that can be we'll see where it goes of course there i do want to talk about themes of father uh, rachel i think you're absolutely right to point out uh, that kind of moment at least with uh elendil and uh, uh elendil in uh, galadriel i it was it absolutely played his father because uh, adar adar however you want to say it however you're supposed to say it, um it does, it's loosely translated to father, right? And so without a doubt, all through this episode, that's one of those not even subtext text kind, kind of moments. Uh, Largo Brandyfoot, Sadduck Burroughs kind of being the father of the Harfoots. Uh, Elendale, uh, we've got a, a lot of father stuff, which doesn't necessarily always just have to be with father. It's uh, family, home, uh, mentorship, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, I, I love that moment with Gladrill there. Uh, that In this moment, she kind of needs that. And that kind of fuels the, the bigger theme here at play, yeah? Yeah, that just shows that that she's not the all-powerful, all-knowing, has it all figured out, even though she's been living for thousands and thousands of years and the things that she's lived through, there's still other perspectives. There's still, you know, growing up to do, if you will. Mm. And Ellen Deal is just such an intriguing, mysterious character because he's so tied into what has happened in Numenor and why they aren't they haven't opened their shores to elves in generations. And where is the King who like Miriel clearly goes to see him, yeah. but we don't get to see him. Yeah. And clearly there's some kind of prophecy or something that they knew that the next time an elf came to the Island, it would be indicative of something in some way, shape or form. So like yeah. all of that's really kind of fascinating in that respect. So yeah, I just, I like, all of the relationships. And like you said, it doesn't even have to be a visit, like your actual father, but I mm-hmm. thought that, um, the commander, um, yeah. Oh, the, uh, yeah. the, of, of Re- the Elvish contingent who was working with R and Deer was the only one, the, the watch war. Me- is it Medion or, yeah. um, you know, I wish Re- Tolkien would name Medion his, or Revion. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he'd name his characters um, like Doug, Tim, Ed, Eddard. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, no, that, that's you have, absolutely you have that kind of relationship, like the leader, the father, the mm-hmm. the person that you know has leadership yeah. qualities, and you follow, yeah. and then just even like little things, like I've already said, like Galadriel name checked her dad, like, and that's yes. the first time we'd, yeah. we'd ever heard that before, um, and they hint very strongly, though they don't say it, but Aaron Deal is the father of Elrond and Elros, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, the in the Harfoot section, they talk about how they've never heard of a, a star falling down yeah. to middle earth, but, but a person in middle right. earth has become a star. And that's what Aaron deal did. He became a star. Yeah. Um, and he's the father of Elrond and Elros. And so like, there's just all these things sort of tying together, even not obvious stuff, but like those, 
the lore heads and whatnot can like ascribe even more to the Adar of it and, yeah. and, and whatnot. But yeah, th- that is very, very purposefully um, titled episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and Alden, uh, your thoughts on, on the overall theme and what that means. And, and, and I always uh, you look at it positive and like I said, the mentorship side, the family side, the home side. Mm-hmm. I love the use of that word home, yeah. but also the sins of the father and, and locking yourself into what was in the past and those kind of connections. Not necessarily saying all of that's at play here, but that's a deep theme that you can go yeah. a lot of spots with it. Absolutely. I mean, across these three episodes so far, we've seen a lot of these figures come in. I, I think of someone like Gilgalad and it's like he's got obviously the right intentions, obviously stands for good. But the decision making and perhaps the complacency and how that trickles down to the people that he to who's in your charge, you know, to the people that even if they're not your blood relatives, they're in your charge. You are the father of the elves, you know, in the same way that Burroughs is the father of the Harfoots in that way, filling those types of roles. I love the way that the show has at two different points now emphasized the choices that you have to make and what wisdom and words, specific words, mm-hmm. you are passing to the people that are in your charge. When you have Elrond working on Gilgalad's speech, you have uh, Burroughs working on, Sadak Burroughs working on his speech yeah. for what they're going to be able to do. It's very fitting that in a Tolkien thing, we're taking the moment to explore writing, to sit down and talk about the importance of language, those small changes yeah. of Elrond deciding on the word carcass because he knows what his mentor and friend Gilgalad is trying to convey and the way that Burroughs has to think about you know, because you know Sadok Burroughs has a reputation you see the way the young people sort of talk about him like oh Sadok's gonna he's gonna make the next pages out of your hide like things yeah. like that like that he's a little bit of a of a tough of a tough nut to crack but mm-hmm. he's thinking about you know I'm gonna change this to you know to fuller bellies and everything really emphasize that we did gain and so it's it's an interesting exploration of a lot of and even the orcs even the orcs and their <laughs> yeah. and their dutiful worship of adar yeah. um whatever that relationship is we've never seen them fall in line for something like that they fell in line for saruman in peter jackson's films but purely out of what we saw purely out of abuse purely out of fear purely out of whipping them and having them down and destroying the trees and that was way more destructive it didn't feel as devout um out you know the Urukai sort of get further into that territory but Mm -hmm. it was an interesting way to see this all bubble and pop up across a bunch of different forms even the way that um isildur's ship captain was getting all of these guys ready for Mm -hmm. their presumed next role we've got this threshold crossing coming up very mythically this trial nine days out from the events of this episode at least nine Numenorean days. Who knows if the different cultures have their own their <laughs> mm-hmm. own calendars and stuff. I'm sure they do. Um, so that was an interesting way to see it all sort of represented. And then, you know, whether or not... It, it's funny that we talked about how Galadriel being as old as she is, Elendil being, you know, a, a high man. Um, mm-hmm. He's not a high man. Is he a high man? Does he have long life? He, he does, he, right? Yes, he's distantly related. So he is a descendant of Elros from yeah. a, like a different that branched off from the royal line. Right. Um, so he'll get like 200 years of life that sort of yes. extra extra boost. Yeah. But even then, still way younger. So it's, you know, it's kind of like the whole Din and Grogu thing where it's like, yeah. I am your dad, but you're also somehow older and we're just going to have to we have to let the emotions speak and not the yeah. age. So I thought yeah. that all that was very beautiful. Yeah. And one of the final thoughts uh, on this maybe father thing, we can uh, dive into some other themes here in the time we have left. Uh, you know, you have this uh, Arian, right? Which is uh, the, the daughter, which Rachel, that's, that's show creation, right? That is a show creation. Yeah. What, nope. Ellen Dill has two sons, yeah. uh, Isildur and an Arian who we hear mentioned uh, mm-hmm. rather cryptically. Uh, yeah. And then Arian. And I, 
What do you think? Um, I, I, I like it. I, I mean, it, it's it, the idea. Ellen Deal being a father is incredibly important, not just because the episode name and the theme mm-hmm. and everything else, but he is clearly more aware of the political precariousness that exists on Numenor, which mm-hmm. we got faint hints of but he is very aware of that and so when he says to Isildur I'm trying to can you not trust me that I'm trying to do the best for my children that you understand that there's an undercurrent there that he's preparing them and trying to be careful because he fears you know what could come beyond Galadriel showing up I think this was prior to that even and so you give him more kids then you just have more stakes you have more of a sense of the the breadth and the, the number of people that live on Numenor, how many are being affected, you know, what the different camps are and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Anarion is not currently in the story, having Isildur have uh, a counterpart in, in the family, I think, is important. Because it's clear that, like, they talk about how they, they talk to each other and yeah. maybe to Ellen Deal, which is for something that siblings very much do oftentimes right. um, in, in sort of leaving the parent out of that scenario. So I, I really liked her addition and she was yeah. very spunky and fun. And, and I certainly hope we get to see um, a lot more. Yeah. Her. Emma Horvath plays her. And I, she had a great moment where, where she says to her father, well, because I listened to him, which is one of those things you're, yeah. you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, he has, as the father has the big picture mind. We always say we don't want to make the comparisons, but you look at Ned Stark, who's always like, yeah, winter is coming. And then you got later on where Sansa and Arya are like he 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 had the high game prepared us for the high game but didn't actually prepare us for the 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 low the low level stuff the day to day the politics the world us as women in this world and, and I'm not saying it's a direct correlation but it's just that had that energy of he's got the big thing that he's got to keep he's got to get you ready for that but he's not listening to them on on this uh, intimate level which is important and he's got to learn that too I thought it was a great great little moment with her. So all the yeah, night, uh, love, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Rachel. Sorry, with, I was just going to say with him too. One of the other sort of like themes that I I got a sense of was like healing and tied into your past. And I loved mm-hmm. Ellen Deal talking about you know being out on the sea and like that mm-hmm. that will you know help heal. And Isildur yeah. come calling him out and be like, really? Did did it really help you the way that you're saying that it did? Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. the undertones of it of it not necessarily being the case, but. Like, I really think Ellen Deal is such a crux right now because he's the one who's like, you, the the past is dead, he says. Yeah. But it's not. Like, yeah. especially not when now you're dealing with an immortal yeah. elf. And it's not because mm-hmm. the, the the evil from the past has taken root again mm-hmm. in this symbol, in the map, in the South Run, uh, su- the Southland, which is going to mm-hmm. become Mordor. Like, it's all there. Mm-hmm. And I love the undercurrents of the sea sort of juxtaposing against mm-hmm. that. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can't say enough. I'm I'm really <laughs> happy with this iteration of Ellen Deal and um and how he's factoring into everything. It is mortal. Oh god, this mouth. Oh is. my god. Yeah, you see that? You saw but you see Ken when you when you turn the symbol, it, it kind of looked like it. the eye, but it didn't yeah, yeah. when turn you turn it. it. Um I don't care that it was a national treasury moment. I liked it. Um I saw a little bit of debate about it. I thought it was cool. I think it's fine that even an, uh, an extremely wise and old character misses something under her nose. I think that that's a Look, classic thing that very smart and old people do sometimes. You know how many times I've stared at that map? Yeah, I stared at that. I have the one of Westeros behind me up here. And I stare at that Lord of the Rings map all the time for 20 years. I was I was in that moment. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. So call no, me worked. stupid too. Well done. I thought it was very, very well done. It totally works. And <laughs> just to build on the conversation about, you know, yeah. 
the the Ellen Deal family unit. Um, I loved the everything at play, and I loved again the way that those that create are being emphasized here. That she her big news is that she gets into the Builders Guild or, mm-hmm, or the, mm-hmm. the build, yeah the Builders Guild yeah. the apprenticeship. You know, I'm, I'm going to be an apprentice. It was a seal door that encouraged her there. Everybody fosters the people that want to create a new, except for maybe the Hardfoots, but that's the lesson that they're going to have to learn. Um, but we've seen the way that people are, are encouraged in that way. Um, in the Dwarvish area, Celebrimbor's entire thing about wanting to live uh, leave his mark while he still has, um, you know, this creative inspiration. Why am I wasting it on small jewel craft or whatever yeah. he says? So um, there's a theme there of like everybody that wants to do something more to shape things. And the way that it ties in with the family is that Ellen Dill can be really excited about her um, forging her own path, creating yeah. her own path, her own career. That's not what he did, but the child that is trying to do what he did, he has such a fear um, and there's such a, a friction there that I thought was interesting. And then mm-hmm. just big picture, the fact that the two kings that will lead the last alliance, both having that past is gone, it's over. There's no war in Ba Sing Se. That's mm-hmm. a cartoon reference for you, Ken. Um, it was, it's a really interesting moment to see them like, oh, we'll see you two in season five for the last alliance or whenever that's going to be. <laughs> I also love the parallel between Isildur and Nori. Yeah. Like wanting yeah. more, wanting what's beyond your borders, because clearly mm-hmm. that's what happened with Anarian, which is yeah. uh, my assumption is that he either sailed from Middle Earth or he wanted to and something happened or whatnot. And mm-hmm. when Isildur is is doing the training run there where he helps his friend, he's sitting on the bow and he hears like the whisper and it's yeah. sort of reminiscent of the the whisper of the ring, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's not meant, I mean, there is no ring yet, so it can't be that, but like, I think it's, you know, uh, a feeling about the fact that mm-hmm. they were of middle earth. These were yeah. uh, groups, uh, the, the three houses of the Adine men did live on middle earth and then they were removed to Numenor as a gift. But the point is thousands of years have gone by and maybe some people are chafing a little bit at yeah. that sort of like, you know, forced situation, mm-hmm. some out of greed and and negative things. Isildur, I think, more out of a sense of adventure. What else is out right. there on yeah. our borders? And that's what Nori's doing, too. So this I beautiful island starts to feel like a cage if you weren't there when the gift was given. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you can appreciate I can appreciate that. It took a lot of hard work to settle Florida. It doesn't mean I want to be here. Um, so there's we'll get you <laughs> out of there. All the, we'll get you out of there. <laughs> We just need 130 more subscribers. Let's do this. Uh, and then Alden gets to move. Um, no, you guys are both saying beautiful stuff. And I, I do want to see what themes jumped out to you. I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, I'm bogarting the theme conversation here, at least the list. But, I, you know, we don't have to get into all of it. But the importance of traditions move, moving forward, tying into true identities, you're both saying some great stuff. I, I put the list of discovering uh, others' I- identities, uh, knowing yours, earning yours, running from yours hiding yours and all that ties into Isildur hearing the whisper of who he truly might be or what he wants to be and that doesn't necessarily mean it ends well it just means that you have to take that stuff and take it for yourself I am I'm really obsessed in a way with the Harfoots who are this you know again you know because the connection that we just have on a spiritual level with the hobbits uh, is just you know your heart kind of is warmed by them I love again Sadek Burr's Lenny, Lenny Henry's just, uh, doing an amazing job I just uh, I would chant with him too but I, as you're looking at it, there's some danger to it, right? Because what's kept them safe might also be what's trapping them. 
And you see yeah. that at play here again. You guys are both saying beautiful things about Numenor. It is this beautiful land. Oh, who would want to leave? Um, you know, but uh, it, it, you see, you, you see the, the the walls closing in on some folks there. I really loved it. Uh, and, and what do you guys make of the Harfoots? I want to focus on them a little bit of what the lesson is. Nori is right. I think everything she says is right, including the. I'm not saying I'm special. I'm saying this stranger's special, and I want to be part of that. And in turn, that kind of makes her special. Maybe she is special. But um, I really uh, love them because it is this weird dichotomy of, yes, your cultures, your traditions are what keep you alive. But if you hold on to them, you don't veer off the path, you won't survive. You'll be left behind. It's it's really fascinating stuff, all wrapped up in a really catchy chanting uh, jingle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah I'm, that- I'm enjoying that. The yeah. hobbits were always Tolkien. Yeah. They represented what Tolkien loved most in the world. Yeah. And so I think the Harfoots are, are the same. Like we have to see um, a group of people that just live day to day and love life and mm-hmm. love the simple things in life and, and love nature and, and elves do to an extent, but elves have gotten a little full of themselves and have, you know, made some pretty big mistakes and, 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 you know, uh, drawn peoples into, to massive wars and, and mm-hmm. discovered death. I mean, that's as much on them as it was on Morgoth. So, you know, you have the, the Harfoots representing the, the heart, the, yeah. the soul of, of the land and of the purity of things. And sometimes it gets a little silly, but at the same time, if if the heart's in the right place, and that's why I felt in this episode there was more, it, it felt more grounded, it felt more heartfelt than just silly. Um, there and, was, there was and, an important somber strain under it, which lifted it, everything it, up. It, for me. it yeah. helped sort of lift that in in a way that that made it more relatable and mm-hmm. understandable mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. all of these the, the brutality and the and the the high you know, uh, elves and men and then the, the, the orcs, like you have this something simple and uh, heartfelt in the middle. Um, but then beyond that, the idea of, but you can't just stand by. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, it, for good to flourish in a world where the, the seed of evil exists, no matter what we do and is consistently passed down like that, that's part of the world. If there is evil, then there is good. And if you want it to be good, you have to fight for it and you yeah. can't just be bystanders. And I think that that's essentially that role. Um, and Nori's the most obvious example of it. And I don't think she's articulating it in that way. Like I'm going to go off and grab a sword and fight for good. She doesn't even know about Sauron or orcs or anything like that. She just yeah. understands it's a bigger world. Yeah. And, um, you know, that you you might have something to contribute to that other than just, you know, migrating back, back and forth. Love it. Um, and uh, Alden, kick to you on some themes there. And Rachel, I know uh, you might be wrapping up uh, the episode with us here soon uh, as we try to wrap up this episode. We just love talking so much about swords and harfoots and chains. We do. Silly job. I've got to go back to my job. Yeah. Uh, to do that? Alden, quick uh, <laughs> yeah. idiot themes you want to add to that there. Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, why doesn't Rachel just, like, go do the tour guide stuff in New Zealand? Like, why can't Rachel walk you by the Shire, but, like, also tell you why it matters? Um, that 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 is, like, so well said of everything of, like, Tolkien's connection to the Hobbits and how we're seeing the Harfoots, like, developing that seed of goodness that they are the ones that we mm-hmm. know. Because so much of this is we're playing with what you know, like how... Uh, the show doesn't stop to tell you that there's a parallel between Elendil and Gilgalad's sort of word choice and, and diction, but 
that's something that we're bringing. And so knowing the not complete and utter incorruptibility of the hobbits, shout out to Smeagol, of course it can be done, but the natural resistance that they have, um, seeing that sort of not set up in like a gamified way, like they better set, set it up and pay it off. I better mm-hmm. get my reward as a viewer. But this idea that there is a goodness there that's being emphasized by the literal smallest folk, by the smallest storyline thus far, mm-hmm. the storyline that up until now with this, you know, them moving out in the caravan have been in one location, has the core theme, I think is so beautiful and so poignant. And it's something that I love that all adaptations that I've experienced, I have not gone back and watched that random 60s animated Hobbit. I, there's a couple that I have missed. Um, the 77 animated Hobbit slaps, and I love that movie. But, oh, you did uh, get a crap on me as a kid. No, uh, yeah, no, it's it's bad. But the but even like even like Lord of the Rings Online, you play a Hobbit, you have a natural mm-hmm. resistance to dread, mm-hmm. like things like that, like that. Have, they've always found a way to include that here uh, in this in all adaptations, and I love that it's here as well with Noring. Mm, great stuff, uh, Rachel. I'll kick it to you. Any final theme discussion points you want to enter the conversation here? Then I'll let you get back to work. Uh, you know, I hate that you you know we all have jobs in this world. But who needs money? Who needs money? It's silly, and you know, you keep the roof out of my head. You know. You know also, so by the way, good. Rachel's like an award level editor, so you know, I guess she's got it. <laughs> Currently <laughs> editing on a dating show, totally award worthy. Uh, <laughs> Will so Galadriel and Halbrand end up together? Yeah. yeah. One of my absolute favorite um, quotes in the episode was Galadriel to Halbrand during that scene. Um, And she basically says, ours wasn't a chance meeting, nor fate, nor destiny, nor any of the words men use to speak of forces. They lack the conviction to name. Mm. Ours is the work of something greater. And Mm. all fantasy literature is so rooted in destiny and fate and the hero's journey and things of that nature. I'm heck most storytelling is, but like, I, I just, I love that that's her rationale. And I also love that it's deeper than just those words. And that for somebody like her has to believe that because otherwise the path you've chosen doesn't mean anything. And then again, to find potentially a kindred spirit in that way and that's why she like she's she says she's trying to sweep him up in the idea of follow this path to to be where you belong to fight for what is your right what is your your lineage to right the wrongs of the past to to get the burdens off your shoulders all of those things so wrapped up into it but in that very that that kind of trope of destiny like that 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 quote to me was like one of a beautifully beautiful way to put it but also kind of a little bit of a dig you know Mm -hmm. it was like men can't put don't have the conviction to put a word to it kind of a thing Mm -hmm. like yeah there was just something about that and then clearly like that that we know the destinies of elendil and isildur and you know galadriel ultimately and everything else so um it, it was small but like it's always there and i love the yeah. quote so I now, just i'm it. glad you wrote that down to mention i love it and i love uh analyzing this you know because destiny we take it from those stories and you're right it's pretty much every story even office space it's a hero's journey right um <laughs> we we take those stories and those words <laughs> destiny and fate and i think we apply them in our own lives in a way which you should and it's the hero's journey we all have it's really just about choices and the choices that keep flowing and rolling out in front of you and sometimes maybe uh, that all wrapped up in, you know, like she said, we don't have the courage to, and conviction uh, to, to, to uh, name it all there. Uh, anyways, I, I'm, I'm getting lost in it. I really, you said small moment. I think it was a big small moment that's important in fantasy. Mm-hmm. So great stuff. 
Good stuff. Rachel, yeah. anything, uh, Alden, any thoughts on that quote or anything else? And I'll, I'll let Rachel get back to work, I guess, apparently. No, okay. no. I, at some point, yeah, we're just all just gonna have to off air just around talk about this on a, on a non work day because we yeah. we all know we could go like a whole like oh. two hours, forty minutes. So I'm going at the at, for for production purposes. I'm going to say beautifully said. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> there Thank we so go. Much. There we go. All right, Rachel. We will uh, see you uh, hopefully in House of Dragons, but definitely more Rings of Power. So much fantasy stuff to dive into. Thank you as always for bringing uh, your expertise, your perspective and experience in this world. Uh, we're going to wrap up shortly, but Rachel, we'll see you for now. See you guys Rachel. next time. All right, uh, there we go, Alden. Let's uh, dive into anything left on the table thematically that you want to discuss as we take it on home here. What do you got? Yeah, the only other thing that I think that I really wanted to touch on was the idea of Arandir realizing that the best move to make in the moment was the one that was the most personally devastating and even culturally shameful which is mm. a really hard thing to watch mm. of course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everybody's going to bring their their culture into it we all have different backgrounds but yeah for the for the metaphor for the analog it's like you know he, the watch warden takes a stand for that tree yeah but it comes down anyway and it doesn't come down because of the orcs it comes down because Adam Deer's like to for the for the next day this tree does need to fall at this moment. Yeah. That is a choice that I have to make. And it's, it personally offends me. It personally disgusts me. It personally makes me feel a lot of ways. And, and he could tell he has that moment of like, this is awful. And, mm-hmm. it, and whether I that love, was yeah. a prayer, whether that was an apology, whatever he says to the tree before it goes down, I just thought that that was ripe with ideas. And mm. it was so sad to watch. It was uh, yeah. That, I did want to discuss that final sequence, and maybe it's a good transition into it as we as we start to wrap up our episode here. Yeah, I love it. I, I wrote down the idea of, of you know nature connection to nature versus destruction of, of, of nature, and that's pretty much that's on the surface. It's been on the surface of Lord of the Rings. I mean, just look at you know, yeah. uh, especially going to Saruman and and uh, what they did mm-hmm. over there, and and uh, and all that kind of stuff. It, it's pretty clear, and 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 it's, and it's a little light side, dark side kind of connection. Uh, and it was heartbreaking, right? It was heartbreaking. Uh, Watch Warden is, uh, is is right, but also there's an issue of survival and an issue of on until morning and how do you do there and uh, how, how do you reconcile that? And uh, that's why I think Aaron Deere has just become um, one of the breakout stars this, of, of this uh, series for me. And I don't know if it is for others, but I, I just really love yeah. watching everything what's uh, going circling around this character, you know? I agree. Ismail Cruz Cordova, shout out uh, a fellow Puerto Rican out there making a difference, making a change, inspiring people. Um, posted on Instagram, him and his parents in New York City doing an Arandir pose in Times Square with him behind. Like, that's just a moment. Yeah. And he has he has risen to that moment and he has knocked it out of the park. And he's uh, he, I think, easily could have been a not one note, but he easily could have been like, the sad elf and he is so much more yeah. than that and i i think that his his pain was uh really really well captured here in a small space it's like for as big and sweeping as numenor was this one yeah. tree pit thing was where i think the most pain was which was a nice fun contrast uh, yeah and, and and yeah brutal a lot of brutality there uh the chihuahua war because i'm calling it there um but th- <laughs> i think i think there's something about again your true identity and him kind of uh, there's a little bit, especially from the first episodes of, hey, what am I now if I'm not a soldier anymore? Do I go back to what I was? Do I move forward, mm-hmm. uh, a farmer versus what I what I am now? And he's discovering that. So there's some 
uh, the, the trials, uh, sadness, uh, doing what maybe he has to do just to survive. And he's in this pit, this literal pit of, uh, of emotional and spiritual thematic Hades with these orcs. And I think he's going to confirm and find out who he is after all this on this new uh, journey. And it's just, it, it played out so well. It was very tense. You mentioned the waters drinking scene, very tense. That was very well directed, and the orcs were were terrified in a in a, in a fun fantasy way. Really good job with that sequence. Yeah, absolutely. The, the the horror of what we know, and again, this is where we're making connections between the things that are not technically the same adaptation yeah. canon. Yeah. But the um, knowing what we know that the orcs were once elves, that they were that they're these turned corrupted beings, and then seeing them now turn that on a group of like we have similar ancestors and. But now we're going to try to drag you down to our level is sort of the the ultimate yep. is the ultimate insult in a lot of ways. Uh, I, yeah, I love looking at it that way. I uh, love looking at it that way of, uh, you know, we're going to pull you down to our level, literally pulling them back down to our level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was heartbroken. You know, I, you know, it's one of those sequences. The moment it begins, um, even at the beginning of the episode, but in, in, the, in the final uh, act of this episode, I'm like, oh, there's just this is not going to go the way I want it <laughs> where they all run to no. freedom. So the watchboard no. oh, uh, was broken. It was heartbreaking. Heartbreak. Talk about a, a writing directing moment. The fake out of the watchwardens escape, uh, and you're me. like, "Why are you standing there?" And then he, he turns, and it he's was, already been you know, shot. You know, you got Boromir's uh, death by arrows, uh, slowly, epically, uh, tragically. Just uh, yeah, this is uh, is is it quite up there? No, but it's in it's in the conversation at least. It's in the ballpark. It got me. It yeah. got me. I fell for That's it. In the, fell for uh, it. That's in cinematic language. You know, the yep. other show we cover here on Casually Talk, House of the Dragon, had Damon Targaryen take a few arrows in the last episode, but he lived. Yep. So Watch Warden died so Damon Targaryen <laughs> could live. You do not get out clean twice in a week, fantasy fans. Uh, great, uh, great stuff. Uh, well, let's look a little bit to next week. Anything you're thinking or any final thoughts on this episode? I'm just really excited to see the curtain sort of you know peeled back who the man behind the curtain um possibly even literally maybe he does have a bed curtain this yeah. king of numenor yeah um, the queen regent's father it, yeah. what is going on there because she has a sternness to her she clearly is buying into a little bit of the prejudice but why does wow. she want to did she always what's going on with this uh-huh. advisor farazan who just looks like a villain um, well, yeah, so that, and an that's thing going on there. That's uh, her husband against her, not necessarily will, right? But it's a little, I was I was doing a little deep diving on that, and and you got her father, yeah. and you got yeah, yeah. So uh, they're like paired up for yeah, yeah. like married off type deal. Yeah, it feels yeah, like. yeah. E- exactly. And and he's kind of uh, trying to drive the ship here, but she's the queen Richard because her father, the king, is still alive. Yeah, I, I really so just a good old fashioned intrigue that I want. Uh, you know, can't wait to get the answers for. Mm. Yeah, and uh, the one thing I don't think we did touch on that could tie into that, we have seen that despite the the trauma and the hard exterior of this younger Galadriel, the joy when she found out that she'd be able to ride a horse, which yeah. maybe she hadn't done that in quite a while, maybe not since, because um, they don't have horses when we pick up with her and her company yeah. uh, in way, you know, in the snow. So it's maybe it has been a long time for her, and maybe that is her favorite thing. You don't need to tell us that. We see the joy on her face. Uh, but knowing that she has that adventurous side and now she knows that the king is alive and that he's holed up in a tower, it'd be time for an old fashioned fantasy uh, tower break and have fun storming the castle. So <laughs> you think it will work? It'll take a miracle. Yep. Uh, love that. Yeah, I love that. Final thoughts on that episode for me. This was an episode that once again um, knows what it wants to do in terms of its pacing. 
And the first time through, I had some, you know, you ever watch, you're sitting down, you watch a show, you got about 12 things going through your brain. I did, I'll admit, I found myself ah, looking at my phone, kind of getting distracted. And I had that thought of, ah, this is, this is taking its time. It's slow roast. And then on a second rewatch, I just really stand behind this show doing what it needs to do, what it wants to do in terms of its own pacing, taking its time when it needs to, giving you the high intense action when it wants to and when it's uh, there for the story. It's not just trying to make this big epic splash on the screen. Uh, and that's what I love about fantasy stuff when I do get invested in fantasy. And this episode was uh, beautiful, uh, shot well, the horse riding, and the horse riding scene um, and the joy on her face. I just really loved that. I connected with that and just uh, taking the time to just enjoy that, enjoy that for her. I love that this episode did all that. It really knows what it wants to do. Yeah, this had some of our most joyous and silly moments, but also some of our darkest moments, which is very Lord of the Rings. And this should always be like even in Two Towers and Return of the King when things were dire, we still had Merry and Pippin and we still had yeah. times for people to enjoy things or to talk about joy, you know, as Gandalf, you know, talk about um, the fact that there will that there will still be good eventually. And um, yeah, I, I think that Galadriel riding on the beach, if this was an 80s show, there totally would have been a queen drop there or something. <laughs> Something would have been played, uh, but it was great. Love that. All right. All right. I think we're out of here, sir. I think we're out of here. We got some dragons and houses to talk about soon here. Uh, thank you all for listening to our Rings of Power discussion about episode three. We'll be back next week. We really appreciate it. If you listen here on the podcast, keep listening. Give us a rating and review on places like Apple and Spotify. And go overhead to the uh, YouTube channel. Give us a subscription. Uh, ring that bell. Uh, just uh, help us build this channel because we ain't going away. We're going to have Rings of Power and House of Dragons to talk about for a few years. Uh, Alden, where can they follow you? And don't forget to tell them about the Potathon 2022, but I have a feeling you will. Yes, that Alden Diaz is where you can find me, but much more importantly, Potathon 2022, 15 Star Wars shows, a 12, but really more like 13 hour stream uh, is going to be going down with tons of people that you know from the Star Wars community. My contribution is interview that i'm very proud of with mr ryan johnson perhaps you've heard of him he made a star wars film called episode eight the last jedi and we have talked about the ins and outs of that it's a long conversation it's very in-depth there's stuff that i'm confident has never come up in a ryan johnson interview before so if you want to check that out please do it's going to be september 17th ryan goes on later in the day but really all you need to know september 17th potathon make-a-wish foundation doing some of the most incredible work for children fighting battles that i'm fortunate to have never fought um but these stories are are the stories that that move us, you know, these yeah. stories of survival and of them having joy. And that's what Make-A-Wish does. So let's donate some money. Our goal is 10 grand and we're already like 20% of the way there and we're still days away. So we're doing great. Love it. Love it. Go to the potathon.com for more information. Follow me at Kednapsuck. Go to my website, kednapsuck.com. If you're local, got a comedy show coming up over at Flappers, Jake Lewis and Friends. Check that out. But you know what? The most important thing is you come back for our Rings of Power and House of the Dragon discussions. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening here to Casterly Talk.